and welcome to Kicking the Balls, uh, the podcast where we talk about all the week's football. I'm Clem Cruz here, and with me are Rob and Keir. Hello, good afternoon. So I guess the, the, the first place has got to be to start last week's games. And uh, Bournemouth and Man City kicked us off on that one. Uh, Man City, of course, won that one quite late on with a very controversial few minutes at the end. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I saw that game and it was a pretty good game. The first 20 mo- minutes, Bournemouth were outstanding. Obviously, they got probably what will go down as one of the goals of the season. It was well-deserved. And as I say, like City really couldn't live with them. That opening 20 minutes, their goal actually, City's, was very well worked, but it was against the run of play. But when they got it, they turned the game on its head and City became the dominant side. There's no shame in that, I think. You'd probably say in a 38-game season, probably 35, 36 at least of the games. So they played, they're going to be the dominant side, but Bournemouth were well in it. They managed to keep an attacking threat whilst largely defending pretty well. Obviously, Josh King hit the post in the second half. Uh, I think, really, that Bournemouth, despite losing, can be pretty pleased with their performance. The goal, obviously, the, the main controversy was that Sterling was sent off for a second yellow card for over-celebrating. Was that deserved, in your opinion, or is that always going to be just too too far? Well, it's by the way the law of the game mm-hmm. is, then it's it's a yellow card, isn't it? I mean, it just it seemed like, uh, you know, Mike Dean wanted to just say, well, I haven't done anything today, so off you go. Because like, there was two seconds of the game left, so, you know, what was the point? There was something similar happened with a uh, Frederick Piccione, I think it was a good few years ago uh, for West Ham against Everton, and it was it looked like a really harsh thing to happen because he, he went over to his to his own fans. It wasn't like he was you know provoking the other fans, and they were celebrated there, and he was sent off for it. And is it maybe even as the letter of the law that late in the game should there be a bit of common sense from the referee and just you know just yeah, let it go again? Who was refereeing? Yeah. <laughs> and he did arguably make a huge mistake not sending off Aki for the. Last yeah, month, definitely. You know? I think Ake should have been off. Uh, another mistake he made, in, in my opinion, was actually in the lead-up to that winning goal, there was a free kick given against Bournemouth, what to me looked like a perfectly fair challenge. And without that, there probably wouldn't have been a sterling goal. But I do think it's very harsh. Like, yeah, the letter of the law, but I think there has to be a bit of common sense exercised. Like, when you score a winner, that could be a vital three points. For City, if they don't get that winner, they're potentially already four points off the pace three games in, so it's potentially a vital goal. I think there needs to be some discretion exercise, and I think it's a very harsh for Sterling. Well, for Eddie Howe, looking back at that, obviously he can be very disappointed with the, the the late winner for Manchester City. But, I mean, it was a good performance in many ways for Bournemouth. They easily could have had a point, if if not maybe more, you know, if uh, if things had been a little bit different. But uh, has it been a little bit all too typical that the, the the luck's all gone against them so far this season? Yeah, I think so. I th- I think they should be pleased with how they played like, against you know all the teams around them. They play like that, they'll win. Well, yeah. They'll certainly not lose. It was a much better performance than we saw the previous week. I really think that uh, his luck's bound to turn eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd like to think so. And also, him. even like he's playing one of the top teams there. That's it's if we're looking at Bournemouth as a team that are still probably looking at avoiding relegation as opposed to where they can finish in the upper reaches table. Obviously, they finished ninth last year, which was great for them. Then I don't think that there should be too many worries at this stage about that performance and how it affects them when when it comes to the relegation battle come May. Okay, so uh, Watford and Brighton. That was another game on the Saturday. Uh, I think we all were expecting a, a bit more of a show there. That's 
two sides who maybe could be considered better going forward than they are defensively and uh, just fizzled out to a nil-nil. Is, uh, well, Brighton had showed very little going forward or defensively up until yeah. that match, I would say. But uh, I think the real talking point in that match is the British Red Card Challenge, which is one of the worst I've seen in years. It'll Hopefully we'll not have to see a worse tackle than that this season. It's probably the most straightforward red card you'll ever see. Absolutely horrendous tackle. Brighton obviously very lucky that Knockhart didn't get a serious injury on another day. Like that's potentially that's him out for the season, if not longer. I think Brighton might be disappointed in the terms of the match not to have taken three points because when you're playing against ten men for so much of the game, they did have the better of it. And obviously that they they haven't had any points on the board prior to that. So I think three points really would have been a big boost to them and something that maybe looking back that they'll regret not getting. But it was a better performance from, obviously we talked about Knockhart there being on the receiving end of the foul. He was the championship player of the year last season and you can see why when you saw him playing there against Watford. He was one of the few players they have who does look primarily quality and I think they'll be very glad to have him back at full fitness now. Okay, so I mean if you look at Watford, they've taken five points in the first three games. Not bad and for... A club like Watford certainly not underperforming, you'd say. Especially with that uh, point they took against uh, Brighton being with 10 men for a lot of the game. Will that be... I mean, they're a club known for having owners that aren't always happy with uh, things that would please a lot of people, but uh, surely the owner's got to look at that and say it's probably a good enough start right now for Watford. Well, I think five points out of, what, nine? Nine, yeah. It's more than half, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, two, two draws and a, a win. They haven't lost yet, so how can you be uh, unhappy with that? Surely they've got yeah, to be. Yeah, for a mid-table club, I think that's very respectable. They still haven't been beaten. Obviously, they got a good point against Liverpool. Yeah. I think, really, that they should say look at that and see that the season's going pretty well. Okay, so uh, Newcastle-West Ham. I think uh, probably the first point to make would be it, it goes from bad to worse for West Ham. It's just um, I mean, what's what's going wrong. Yeah, and, and talk about kicking a guy when he's down. I had some comments from Robert Snodgrass the other day um, in reference to Slavin Bilic not knowing where he, what position he actually plays, mm-hmm. which would be a little bit strange. You know, he, he uh, just, I didn't like the timing of it, you know, yeah. he's already under a lot of pressure and then a former player, well, he's out on loan actually at Villa now, I think, um, just comes out and adds a bit more fuel to the fire. I don't think that's uh, very sensible. I know the, the owners have said that he can you know, the performances are, and results have got to turn around and then you're out. But at least they're giving him a bit more of a chance. Yep. I think he's arguably the most under-pressure manager in the league at the minute. Three defeats. Heavy ones too. Ten, ten goals conceded in three games. Only scored two. It is. It really is very poor. I don't think West Ham will go down because I think that their players are better than... I certainly think there's three squads in the league at least which have worse players than West Ham. But well, I, you, you look at the the first 11 and think that's, that's pretty decent. That's not a bad... It's a good side, isn't yeah, it? It's a mid-table side. That could be so 10th 11th in the table. I do think that certainly last year Billis Rupert, I think there's no real identity to the way West Ham play. Not really, I mean, no. We know how the likes of, say, West Brom, Leicester, the sides you would really think should be the main rivals for West Ham mid-table sides. We know how they line out. We know the players that they're likely to pick. It's hard to pinpoint a philosophy for a, for a village particularly. It's quite ambiguous. I think chaotic would be the best way to describe West Ham's play so far this season and indeed for much of last season. 
like I said just there a couple of minutes ago, that I think he's probably the most under pressure manager in the league at the minute. And I have to say, I do think he'll go. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's a matter of. I of, think it's a matter uh, of when rather well, than yeah, if. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say there. On the other side, uh, a good turn up for Rafa Benitez. I think that one he probably needed, but there, there was a real response in that game. Yeah, for a manager again who hasn't had the best start of the season prior to that, it was a result that Benitez really needed, but not for getting the fans off his back, purely for footballing reasons, because I think if Benitez were to walk because he'd not be sacked, the fans would be angry with Mike Ashley rather than Benitez Mm -hmm. to say that Mike Ashley didn't give Benitez the resources to give him something he felt he could work with. Now, obviously, at this stage, we're coming to the end of the transfer window, and they still haven't added much. But a win, obviously, and if West Ham are to be involved in a relegation dogfight, perhaps a vital win for Newcastle in front of their own fans is always going to be a good thing. And hopefully it'll lift some spirits and improve some, maybe make people a little more optimistic that they can fight to keep their place in the league, which really should be a minimum requirement for a club of Newcastle's size. Yeah, I think the international breaks come at a really good time for West Ham. Yeah, just to kind of be out of the limelight for a little bit. Um, although Newcastle now they've they've lost Mitrovic for a few games. He yeah, was he's got a, ban. a yeah. got a ban there. I didn't actually. It was violent conduct, wasn't it? Which doesn't surprise me because that seems to be his. Uh, mm-hmm. It was. His uh, usual. I don't think he sent off. It was. It was cited No, it was missed, and yeah. it was uh, retrospective. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, I think it's three three games. He's going to be away for. He could be. Yeah. Uh, so in Swansea and Crystal Palace, uh, if it goes through bad to worse to anyone, I think it's got to be uh, De Boer right now. He's pitting that bill as well. Bad to worse, Enzik. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's apparently going to be doing a lot of transfer in today. Um, there's, there's talk of, of three or four players. Um, I think they're they're waiting for Liverpool to lower the thirty million price uh, valuation on Sacco. And there's somebody else, uh, a couple of others. I was, I was the Sacco situation confuses me. I mean, he's, he's made his fair share of mistakes. I think it's safe to say that right now Liverpool don't have a good centre back pairing in any combination. But you feel he couldn't really be any worse than Lovren in that position. Lovren's been really disappointing. I mean, Clavon's all right, but there's very very little to his game. He can throw his body in the way and make hard challenges, but that's really about as far as it goes. At least Sacco probably give you at least the most technical. Competence on well, the I think Sacco was perhaps made too much of an enemy out of Klopp to redeem himself at Liverpool. He did yeah. well. Yeah, it's an attitude pa- thing, isn't it, with him? Yeah, at Palace last season under Allardyce. So I think uh, that obviously the hope would be that he would find that form again if he were to go back to Palace. Well, I was a bit hopeful of that because um, Sacco had, had moments, certainly at Liverpool, where his biggest weakness seemed to be not quite knowing what to do with himself when he got on the ball and playing these difficult passes when really there were much easier options and just giving the ball straight back to the opposition again. And I think under quite a defensive authority like Allardyce, he seemed to thrive a bit more. It was all set up, geared in a very defensively astute manner that might have just brought it the best of them. And I was hoping that maybe he'd come back and have learned a bit more from that, but it doesn't really seem to think like he's going to be given the chance to do that, which is, I think, a bit of a waste. I think it's just I think he fell out with Klopp and that's the end yeah. of it um, you know some players fall out with the manager and then they come back and it's it's kind of resolved but it, it just doesn't look like there's any way back for him whatsoever and it, it does seem strange when when as you say there's you know Liverpool defensively in centre back pairings are, are a bit a bit hit and miss aren't they but I, th- I think it is just a case of 
they've had they've had this discussion and that's it. You're yeah. you're not playing for me anymore. Um, in which case maybe 30 million is too much I mean if it's if it's someone you have no intention of playing again yeah I'd, I'd, have you got any right to ask for 30 million pounds for them if, if they're gonna if they're gonna get rid of him they're gonna have to lower that yeah by I don't know five six seven if he's not gonna play he might as well move on like I don't want to yeah, sit, ex- sit and gather in dust you know yeah exactly and they're, they're gonna make that money if and yeah. when they sell Coutinho although they have just splashed 55 and a half million out on uh, Naby Keita yeah, well, and uh, he's going to join next, next year, summer. Yeah. yeah, but it's, uh, is it paid for this year? It feels uh, medical. I know that. Yeah, yeah, he's technically a Liverpool player. Yeah, I think there is a, an injury clause though, where if he were yeah. to get a bad injury, he doesn't go. So I'm not sure. Maybe oh, he okay. doesn't go until he arrives mm-hmm. either. But right. uh, but that that's for next season. So in the meantime, there is still that void. And then obviously mm-hmm. a lot of talk the, the Van Dijk deal. Yeah, uh, last last I've heard on that one, um, uh, he he has been training us no more recently, and they're. Seems to be more of a belief that he is actually staying after all now. Well, certainly yesterday they were reporting that uh, he'd flown by a charter jet yeah, to Liverpool and there, been seen. There, there was a. Do you think he's going to do like Peter Adamwangi did and just turn up at the ground? Do you remember that a few years <laughs> yeah, ago? Yeah, I do. Yeah. That QPR wasn't it? Yeah, uh, he just turned up as if I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you going to sign me then, I see fellas? Uh, no. Sacco, uh flew. Uh, to France yesterday yeah. by himself to try and negotiate a move to Rennes I think it is yeah he passed the medical without West Ham yeah. allowing and he's uh, now yeah. back in London to try and force his move but uh, right but yes there was that uh, private aircraft that flew from Bournemouth airport to Liverpool airport and you know, it's not a great distance from Hampshire to Dorset Dorset <laughs> Hampshire to Dorset so that's uh, could easily could, could conceivably have been in relation to the Van Dyke move but was that yesterday that was yesterday yeah. right well because he was back training today yeah so he, uh, last I saw before I came here was that he left the training ground um and he was trying to avoid being seen basically which is a bit difficult to do when you're a professional footballer isn't it yeah well the deadline day coverage is relentless uh, yeah but uh speaking of the, the Swansea game that's obviously a bit more what they're looking to do this season uh I think you've got to look at the bore and say something has to change because the creative flair they were looking for when he arrived just has not turned up at all. In addition to being weak at the back, because uh, Swansea looked, we said, against Man United, like I say, they just couldn't create chances. Yeah. But they managed to create enough to eat. And they've re- re-signed uh, Bonnie today. Yeah. yeah. And it it's not like they're getting saying. Renato Sanchez as well. Yeah. You think as well, I mean, with, with Crystal Palace... It's another one of the sides that say, you look at the squad, and there's definitely squads worse than that in the league. It'll be really hard to imagine that, that side going down, you know, below the likes of Brighton, or, well, we'll not get carried away. But, and there's bound to be three sides in, in the league with a per squad to choose from than Crystal Palace right now. Yeah, it doesn't always matter what players you've got. It's how they're yeah. motivated and how they're put together, isn't it? And and at the minute, they don't really look yeah. like they know what they, they want to be doing. But, I mean, what I would be interested to see would be if that Crystal Palace team could have beaten the Arsenal team that was put out the other day. Yeah. Because they were they were awful. So, you know, it just just depends what, what turns up on the day, doesn't it? So, Huddersfield and Southampton, that's, uh, well, fizzled out to nil nil as well. But you've got to look at it and say, Huddersfield's, that's uh, saying third in the league, seven points from a possible nine. Oh, they'll be ecstatic. Yeah. 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 They'll be absolutely amazed with that. And for a lot of the game, they were the better side there as well. So it happened maybe finished the stronger and maybe felt could have got more out of it. But 
for a lot of the game, Huddersfield were the team making the better chances, enjoying the better of it. I think for me, Southampton aren't going to be in any danger of relegation. But if they weren't to finish even above sort of the 13th, 14th places, they need to get more goals from somewhere. They've had, uh, that's two nil nils they've had already this season. They obviously had the 3-2 against West Ham, but two of those goals were penalties. Like, they don't have many midfielders who get goals. Like, Romeo doesn't score. Uh, Davis is a good player, but he only maybe, if he gets two or three a season, that's the height of it. Uh, Ward-Prowse is obviously a young player starting to come into the team a bit more. But he's mainly a set-piece threat. I think, really, obviously, if they can get Charlie Austin back to full fitness, that's a proven goal scorer. But I think, really, Southampton need to find goals from somewhere because that really is their big weakness right now. Yeah, I think they were kind of banking on Gabbiadini, but he, you know, he when he came over, he he scored a lot of goals very quickly, and it kind of dried up for him. Yeah, uh, and it's still kind of dried up for him. Yeah, he scored minute. obviously against West Ham, but yeah. he's he's not prolific on a yeah. proven on a, any sort of a of a distance. So yeah, I think they they, def- they they should be looking at trying to get someone in today, but maybe they are, maybe they're not. Okay, looking to the Man United game. Is that a bit more of a, a statement of intent now? I mean, the first couple of games were against pretty poor sides. Even though, obviously, a win's a win. Maybe it wasn't the best measure of how well they're actually playing. Is beating Leicester a bit more of a, a statement? It is, but it did look like it was going to be one of those days where they weren't going to score. You know, yeah. Mata's goal was disallowed, which was well, it looked level. Yeah, it looked as, as tight as Lacazette's the week before. Yeah, we yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. And, On another uh, day, that's a goal, but... Yeah, and then Lukaku, penalty. Lukaku missed the penalty. And I know Mourinho had a dig at the crowd for being a bit quiet, but you can't blame them because no. they probably thought, oh, God, it's like last season. We're not going to score. Yeah, I thought Leicester did well. They were defensively solid. Uh, How much possession did Man United have in the first half? Oh, yeah, in the first half. like it must have been about 80% or something ridiculous. Yeah. But I thought Leicester, like, they always, especially in the second half, they did have a threat. I thought Mares mm. played really well. Uh I thought, uh, even though they conceded twice, I thought from an individual performance, I thought Harry Maguire had another great game. He just looks so comfortable coming out with the ball. He's happy to... He does. There's never any nerves in his play. He's happy enough to beat a man and make the pass. He just seems so comfortable on the ball and he's a real asset to Leicester. Uh, I thought maybe what the telling thing was, we've seen United finish so strongly against Swansea in the last part of the game. And obviously, at 70 minutes against Leicester, it was nil-nil. And then they scored twice, I think, just two, to two substitutes. on that side is, and the two substitutes mm. as well. Obviously, Rashford came off the bench and scored. Yeah, it's been the recurring theme this season yeah. for them so far, hasn't it? I think that the the strength they have on the bench and there's the physicality and the fitness of the side, like, in the end, it told against a good side in Leicester. Obviously, it told against a less good side in Swansea. And I think even though it was a, certainly a, you wouldn't call an emphatic victory, it was one. Like you're never going to win. Ev- they're never going to win every game four 0 They're not going to dominate every side of the way that we were able to dominate. Certainly West Ham in the first game, but at the end of the day, it's three points, and they're the only side with a hundred percent record now after three games. So they're in a very good position. Just going to Leicester there. I see, uh, Mares has kind of gone awol. Also, yeah, he he's left the uh, training camp of the Algerian team. Mm, there's yeah, some talk he, he must be away to negotiate a mm-hmm. new thing yeah. Yeah. Well, the, but the no one really knows possibly, where he is uh, it's possible uh, well there's a belief that he might step in if uh, the deal falls through for Lamar going to Arsenal so if Sanchez were to go to Man City he, he would then take the, the place of Sanchez at Arsenal 
it's getting like real estate, isn't it? It, it is. There's so, so much of a chain going on that someone has to go. You need one, do the other, and then you need... Musical chairs, sort of. Yeah, but, uh, it's the same with West Brom. I, I've been very Evans. impressed with Mares' application. There's been no sort of like... He wants to go, there's but he's been, still playing. Yeah, there's yeah. no iffy yeah. injury or refusing to train yeah. or anything like that. He, yeah. like, he certainly looked like a player who was playing for the team. Yeah, he was, uh, he was and good the other day. Yep, yeah, I think he was probably Leicester's best player at the weekend. Uh, obviously, there's also been talks about Drinkwater and Vardy moving. I've heard the Drinkwater one uh, about yeah, going to Chelsea. Yeah, there's talks that Vardy could go to Chelsea as well. Oh, I hadn't heard that yeah, one. Yeah, but uh, I think if of all of them, I think Vardy would be the one they'd find the most difficult to replace, obviously. Well, Drinkwater has handed in the request, doesn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he handed in on Monday, yeah. Is he maybe... I mean, not to very disrespectful in any way, but being presumptuous that he thinks maybe a club like Chelsea might, you know, really uh, want him. Is he being entitled in that way? Or well, no, I think Chelsea have expressed their interest in terms of how much game time we get at Chelsea. Obviously, he's a decent enough player. You can see the reason he's played with Kante before it was a yeah, very successful midfield partnership at Leicester. But is he going to get in there ahead of Fabregas or? I think it'll, it'll depend on the type of game. Yeah, you know Fabregas isn't. He's a more attacking uh, yeah, player. He, yeah, he's he's not the best defensively. And, and then obviously the new boy Bakayoko they've brought in as well. Is there a bit yeah. of uh, self entitlement? I, mean, I think Dian Drinkwater is a good player, perhaps a bit underrated by you know some who maybe think that it was. Well, he didn't get his England call up no. there, which I thought maybe was a wee bit. But hard. Uh, is it almost a bit disrespectful to what uh, Lister of you know the level they brought him to to then? I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's the way the game is and has been for a long time. Players want to win trophies. They want to play at the top level. Like Danny Drinkwater, obviously, he won a league with Leicester. He's not going to win another one. He probably won't win another trophy, even though I've said Leicester, I think, are as good a chance of anyone as being sort of one of the best of the rest outside the top seven. If he goes to Chelsea, he gets Champions League football. He can maybe win titles, win cups. So... It's understandable why we why we'd want to go. Now, obviously, you have to question how much game time he's going to get, but maybe he thinks he is good enough that he can fight for his place and and get it. Okay, uh, so looking to the West Brom game, uh, West Brom Stoke. I think we all sort of thought that was a possibility that it could fizzle out to be a bit of a physical, gritty encounter with maybe not so many goals in it. It was uh, such a game and ended one one. Two second half goals. I think the talking point there has got to be the defending for the Peter Crouch goal, which I think. Yeah, very yeah. on West Brom like, but again, I think West Brom aren't going to be too disappointed by their start. That's seven no, points seven for them nine, as well. Yeah. Stoke, I think, aren't going to be too disappointed by theirs either. Now, obviously, we're beating their first game away to Everton, but that's a that's a difficult fixture. Then they beat Arsenal and they get a point at the Hawthorns. Well, I think that's very respectable. Yeah, I think I think four points. Before the international break is is fine. Yeah, that's mid table. It's where Stoke are, and they haven't had easy fixtures, so I think they can be happy enough with that. I think West Brom are looking to bring in a good few players. Um, yeah, they've got the guy in um, Oliver Burke. They get the yeah. Oh, yeah, Oliver yeah, yeah, from from Leipzig. Yeah, he, it's, it's a record free for a Scottish player. I didn't really know there were many Scottish players playing in in Germany, but no, he he was at Forest and he went out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last season, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's, there's a lot still of some talk that Johnny Evans could go when Arsenal yeah, seem yeah. to be trying to throw their hand in the ring as well. well I think West uh, Brom can't sign anybody because mm-hmm. they have got no money. Yeah, well, I think, so and also on West, deadline day, you're always going to be West yeah. Brom. I think also may have tabled a bit of interest for Saka in that respect as they well. They brought in the left back as well. I'm trying to remember who it was. Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a bad signing. I mean, he's 
he's for, seven, for seven million, then yeah. that's all right. In today's market, yeah. yeah. So he's maybe one of those players that uh, got a lot of hype as a young player, because like, then going to 21, on the expectation he's really going to step up to be like a sort of Ashley Cole level kind of a player. But it hasn't quite happened. But even then, I mean, that's, that's not a bad signing at all for a team like West Brom. But okay, um, Tottenham and Burnley, it's got to be the one to talk about is the curse of, of Wembley think, again. Uh, I think I said it last week that Burnley might sneak a draw. Yeah. And um, I, just, I saw the score flash up at the bottom of the screen uh, and it said, you know, what was it, two minutes into injury time they, they got mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it was. Yeah. But watching the highlights from that, like you have to say, Burnley had been pressing for a while. Like right. the goal certainly, like if it, wa- if it wasn't coming, it was not far off it. Like mm. a uh, good uh, debut for Chris Wood. I mean, yep, we sort of questioned him last week whether he would hack at Premier League level. Obviously, maybe too early to say at this mm-hmm. stage, but he, he looks good for goal. He got yeah. his goal, yep. yeah. So for, for Tottenham, um, how, how big is it or is it so far that the, the first two games, the home games this season, haven't gone to plan? Well, it'll be a massive relief when they get their first win at Wembley. But obviously psychologically, arguably more for opposing teams even than for their own players, teams are going to, teams went to White Hart Lane and there was a fear factor there. And once teams lose their fear factor, it's hard to get it back. And I think Tottenham have lost that at Wembley. Teams are going to go there. I think they can get a result. Even lesser teams like Burnley aren't going to view that as a defeat. You saw when uh, Ferguson left United and United lost their fear factor. And it's really taken to this season for them to get it back. Psychologically, going to Man United didn't have, didn't carry the same weight that it did in the past. And I think you'd have to look and say that going to Wembley doesn't carry the same fear that going to White Hart Lane did and Tottenham are going to need to put a few good wins together to try and get some of that back. Yeah, I mean, we, we said about it last week that when clubs go to a new ground, it does take a while for them to get used to it. Um, you know, West Ham, look, they were awful last year mm. and they've not been great this year either. Um, Southampton, when they first went to St Mary's, they ended up getting relegated very quickly. Um, I don't think Tottenham will get relegated, but um, they 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 need to just get that first win, don't they? They really, really do. I know they, they've uh, brought in a couple of players the last couple of days. Yeah, they had after they brought in the guy Aurier from PSG. Yeah, that was some today, questions wasn't it? over yeah. his attitude, but like for a top class player, twenty three million today's market. Davinson Sanchez, we talked about. Yeah, um, Sanchez from, looks like a really good defender. Yeah, obviously yeah. the Vimmer's going to Stoke, yeah. which I think is a good sign for mm-hmm. Stoke actually. But is uh, that maybe? Uh, not what they need to do because we talked about the squad being very thin. Should it be a case of bringing good players and still holding on to the good ones as well? I mean, if they're letting Vimmer go, was that obviously? I mean, Sanchez is a better player than Vimmer, but in terms of actual squad depth, is that well for sheer bodies you can put in the the squad? Is that not well in the right got, direction? Uh, Vertonghen and Alder Vareld and obviously Eric Dark and slot in there as well. Yeah. Now they've got Sanchez. Like last season. Obviously, Tottenham's European campaign didn't last as long as they'd have liked it to, but Vimmer only played, I think, five appearances or something. So I think it's understandable enough that he's moved on. More likely to I, th- I think Pochettino's probably seen a couple of players in the youth team and thought, yeah, yeah we'll be all right. There'll be adequate for cover, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's brought quite a few through the last few years, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think Spurs are leading the race to sign Lorente from yep. Swansea. Yeah, looks so. like they're going to get there under Chelsea's noses, which... Yeah. Obviously, it would be a bit of a coup for Spurs. I think, obviously, Janssen last season wasn't cutting it when he was no. required to I, step there, in. There was talk of him leaving. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that were still no, happening, like, even if it was on loan or something. Well, you think you should need better cover than, than Janssen was last season? He 
yeah, didn't like, release him to well, the mark at all. Did he score two or three goals and they were, they were all penalties? He said he got a penalty, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. Like, uh, it's unrealistic to expect that Kane's going to play 38 Premier League games, every Champions League game, and then whatever yeah. they're required to play in the two domestic cups as well. So there's going to need to be cover there, and I think that, it's, that that signing makes sense. So then uh, looking at Chelsea, after that blip at Burnley on the opening day, they've really bounced back very well. It's been two very clinical wins in a row now. Uh, first against Tottenham and now against Everton. That's two sides obviously quite difficult to beat. I, I think no one can question that the players are still 100% behind uh, Antonio Conte then. Yeah, I don't think there was ever any real question that the players were behind Conte. Maybe some question about how much support the board were giving him, but like a, a, a manager doesn't lose a dressing room three games into a season having just won the title and it's pretty clear that the players are still with Conte uh, it was a really good performance actually uh, the Tottenham win obviously great three points but on another day maybe that's a draw or even a Tottenham win uh, the Everton one was never really in question they by far the better side I think Everton would be a bit disappointed actually having performed well against City a week earlier but I think Chelsea have just reminded everybody that they could win the league again I'm not sure that they will but absolutely that they've got the quality that they're going to be right up there. With the, the Sorry, I was just going to say there, even though Chelsea have won the last two games, people aren't really talking about them. No, they're, they're talking about their advantage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're, everyone's talking about City, City and United, United yeah. and, and obviously the, uh, the troubles at Arsenal that they're having at the minute. So Chelsea are just kind of sneaking under the radar at the minute. Yeah, and, Chelsea and, can go quietly about their business. Yeah, and, and that, that'll be perfect for them. And if they're still within sort of three or even five points to the top two come Christmas, you have to say, write them off the, the, at your peril, basically. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I mean, they've just brought in a new fullback today. Um, yeah, from Torino, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and he's, uh, what, 25 foot tall, according to Wikipedia. So for Everton, with all these new faces they brought in, is there a bit of tinkering to be done? They've won one, drawn one, lost one. A bit of everything. So has he got a bit to find his best level and find his best system with these new players? Well, maybe he like, signed so many players. I mean, yeah. It's going to take a while. I think there's probably enough continuity from last season that it shouldn't be too difficult for him. I think the one real weakness you might say about Everton would be a lack of pace in the side. I mean, uh, obviously when they played Calvert-Lewin against City, that gave them an outball with a bit of pace. But the midfield, there is it's not it's not a quick side. Rooney's obviously not a quick player. Last year they had Lukaku provided pace. But I think they maybe they need to find a way to bring a few more players who can ru- who can run at defences and just provide a bit more energy because it was all a bit pedestrian against Chelsea and if you were to find a, a weakness in that Everton side, I think that would really be it. Okay, uh, moving on to the Liverpool Arsenal game, I think we've got a few talking points in that one. Uh, did Wenger get the squad or the the lineup completely wrong? I think there could be no question that he did. I I don't know why. I think the most obvious one was the, why Lacazette yep. was left out. He'd obviously, he was a club record signing. He scored in his first game, uh, had one ruled out for offside in the second. Like, really, it was very strange to see him excluded. I thought, arguably, the midfield pairing was a bad selection, but maybe that he didn't have anybody better. uh, That could be the bottom line, because I think Xhaka is obviously not a great holding midfielder. Well, that was the reason they signed him. Yeah, it was, but he uh, hasn't delivered on it, has he? he got, no, not he at did. all. And uh, Aaron Ramsey is more of an attack midfielder, really. He doesn't want to be shielding the back four. He wants to be making the forward runs. And so often, the back three, 
which was a dodgy enough selection in itself, was just left so exposed. The wing-backs were getting forward, the central midfield pairing were forward, and Liverpool could just run at them and run them ragged. It seemed a strange decision to leave Mustafi on the bench. There's a lot of rumours that he's going to leave. Well, See, I think they've come out today and said that that's, he's not going. Well, if they don't bring somebody in, he can't go, you'd have to think. like. Yeah. Well, on the other side then, I mean, uh, whilst... Uh, that will probably have more of the, the headlines with team selection from Wenger. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it wasn't just the team selection. It was that they just didn't look like they cared. No, it wasn't, it mean, wasn't very spirited performance at all. When when Mesut Ozil is playing well, he's fantastic. But when he's not... He's, he's anonymous, isn't he? He's absolutely anonymous, yeah. He may as well not be there at all. And there's, it seems to be that he's that way more, but he gets remembered for all the good stuff yeah. he does. Yeah, he only does that one in every five games. But on Mesut the other side, is a bit of a fair weather play. I always think when the team's playing well, Ozil he will play it, yeah. well. But yeah. Ozil doesn't dig deep on a bad day. No, no, not at all. And he absolutely showed that. On there was yeah. a there was a point where I think someone uh, laid a pass to him and it went way off him. And he was raising his hands and he was giving all these gestures like, "Oh, what the hell was that?" And you think, well, what have you been doing? Personally, it, it's too late now on deadline day. But if I'd been in Arsene Wenger's shoes a month ago. And with those with a year left in his contract, and somebody come in and offered me forty four or five million, I'd have taken it and gone and bought, bought somebody else because I think there's no sense letting him walk free next summer, and especially when he got a lot a lot of the time goes missing in big games. Yeah. I think that trying to hang on to him, to let him go free next summer, it just well, seems he, like I a mean, really he's move. he's allowed Oxley Chamberlain to leave. It looks like he's allowing Sanchez. To, I mean, they have to cash in on him. I mean, you're talking there's 60 no time million. to bring in a replacement, though. That's well, the, the two replacements that seem to be potentially there, Mara is obviously the closer of the two to, to negotiate, and then Lamar, probably the, the bigger name is signing. But well, the talk is that that well, would be... Lamar, they're talking about 92 yeah, million for 90, him. Yeah. But um, they're, also, they're also saying that if he goes to City, Arsenal want a City player in exchange. Yeah, they're talking about Raheem Sterling, but City say they want a cash-only deal. The money that's being talked about for Sanders as well actually looks pretty low in today's... It, yeah, compared to... 50 million for like... It's a, up to 60 now. 60, for a world-class player in the prime of his career to a Premier League rival. I mean, like when you look at the money that's paid for some players, that actually looks like Could a Could be steal. worse, yeah. yeah. Well, considering they, they spent 50 million on Kyle Walker... Yeah, and you're going to say what? An extra ten million will get you Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> for my money, the best attacking player in the league. I have to say. So. Well, we've talked about. Um... Well, when his when his attitudes right. Which, in fairness to him, usually it is. Even like when other players' heads were going down last year, sort of he was getting angry at them, but he was still putting in his shift. So. Well, he, he well, I think it's the, maybe the the anger from him is getting quite disruptive. Yeah, maybe, maybe they need that because they all looked really lackadaisical. Yeah, I, I don't think Wenger gives them the kick up the arse that they need sometimes. No. Like I think that's like, can you imagine a Ferguson side going into that dressing room at half time? The den. Uh, yeah, the, the den not go in. No, like. There's going to be boots kicked about and all sorts of things. Oh, well, that go yeah, out. Yeah. Like, but they're going to get they're going to get the hairdryer treatment to go. Like, whereas I don't I don't think Wenger gives them that. And like I like Wenger. I was glad to see him sign the two year deal. I think I'm still going to say it's too early to say it was the wrong decision. But I think he like they, those players need a rollicking basically because whatever's yeah, happening so far. I think they're all too pampered there. They are. They? Yeah, they all feel too safe. Yeah. On the other side, we've talked about um, Wenger's selection. Uh, it was a bit of an oddity where Carries came back in and uh, the talk was he's just resting, Manuela. I mean, you don't really feel the need to rest a goalkeeper four games. Or, yeah, yeah, you don't uh, rest. Especially with an international break coming up. Generally, no, no, really. goalkeepers 
aren't really rested at all. Sometimes you see a second choice goalkeeper go in in a cup competition or something like that, but that's more for his benefit than for the first choice to get the rest. I had a theory at the time that uh, Mignolet, or sorry, Klopp was worried that even regardless of the result, they were going to ship a few goals against Arsenal. They didn't want Mignolet coming in for a lot of criticism. So we thought to save Mignolet's confidence, they put in Carius. Obviously, it didn't come to that because Arsenal really didn't trouble them. But uh, well, they cut to Mignolet in the crowd a couple of times, and yeah. he looked like he was absolutely ripping. Like he looked very unhappy, yeah. and and you would be because I mean, I think even the harshest Mignolet critics have to admit it since he's been brought back into the team after Carius was dropped, he's done quite well. I yeah, mean, he's, he's, he's done, done all right. He's, he's had no protection from the mid- Well, good. he looked. Uh, Carius looked um, a little bit dubious, didn't he? There was uh, a couple of incidents yeah, that looked very. very when, he, when he got the ball, he, he didn't seem to be able to get it cleared fast enough. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if it's maybe a little more slower pace in, in Germany when you get the ball, but uh, every time he got the ball and someone was straight on to him, he seemed to just have that little delay to get that ball cleared, and that, it might be something that takes time to, you know, to to build up in in England. But he's got a season under his belt now. Hmm. But how, uh, how many games did he play last season? Oh, not a whole many, but maybe 10, 10 yeah, games. He'd probably need a, a really good run of, run of games. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it'd be very harsh and manually to drop him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Considering it's strange. It, he's, it's he's got strange. so little protection from the defence from the midfield. I guess Liverpool going forward would be obviously a big talking point. I mean, the, the front three all scored. And then the sub scored as well. Yeah. So that, that's that's good. I mean, the amount of uh, movements to... Uh, swap those positions about it's really hard to defend against them when anyone can drift out to any wing or come into the middle it's a lot of movements off the ball I, I think going forward it's probably about the, the best Liverpool have been in the while uh, they're as good as anybody in the league going forward yeah they are they're, they're as dangerous as they've been since Suarez has yeah. left it and just, there's so much movement in, especially with Mane and Salah drifting in and about and Firmino can drop off uh, I don't think any side, and in including the Champions League, is going to relish facing that front three this year. Uh, it remains to be seen. Obviously, we've seen in the past uh, Liverpool struggled to break down teams that have defended deep and tried to defend their only 18-yard box. We'll see how they do against sides, maybe the likes of West Brom or somebody who'll do that this season. Now, the, the midfields, uh, obviously Arsenal didn't look really fully up for the midfield battle. We've said that before. It wasn't really a midfield selection that had a lot of steel in it. But uh, that was a bit more out of the midfield in Liverpool than we've seen with that midfield trio. We've said before about Wijnaldum and Sean maybe not really contributing enough defensively and positionally, but they looked to have it well handled in that game. Is that well, they didn't really have to do no, it. No, it, it, it wasn't yeah, a hard-fought yeah. battle. Uh, but I think we'll see against more difficult opposition how those yeah. players do, but I think a criticism you could maybe level at Wijnaldum is too often games just passing by generally, mm-hmm. whereas I thought he played well yeah, uh, he he against Hoffenheim up. actually there uh, in the midweek as well, and then he had a good game obviously against Arsenal. So I think it's a very encouraging performance for Liverpool and equally discouraging one for Arsenal. I said a couple of weeks ago obviously that I thought uh, I was pretty optimistic about Arsenal's chances of getting back in the top four this year. I'm I'm rather less optimistic now. I have to admit. So I think something something needs to happen there to try and give their season a bit of a kickstart. So. So, uh, where do you think Oxlade-Chamberlain's going to fit into the, the Liverpool lineup then? Well, he says he wants to play in the centre and he must have been given some sort of assurance that that's going to be at least part of the role he's going to play because right. otherwise he probably would have been going to Chelsea. If that well, had he been. said the reason he didn't want to go to Chelsea yeah. was because he didn't want to play wing-back. Obviously, Liverpool don't use wing-backs. So, so if he's coming to Liverpool, he probably is 
He's going to be one in the midfield three then. Uh, which could be interesting to see because I think we haven't really established what his best qualities brings to the game are yet. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's got I think a lot of running in him. His he's, got, he's got pace and power. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he isn't one to get a lot of goals. Probably could have done with going to Everton, really. They need the pace. Yeah, they could have used him well. But uh, is he a Liverpool fan? Because he, he seemed absolutely certain that he wanted to go to Liverpool. I, I think it has been talked about. He may be a Liverpool fan. Yeah, I haven't yeah. actually watched his first interview yet, but right. uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that came out. I think Liverpool's midfield three are decent, but they're not so great that... Well, they're, maybe, they're not nailed on. He, yeah, he maybe think there is a chance he can fight his way into that team. Mm. Also, as the games went up, Champions League games and the like, there may be openings for him in the front three as well. I think he he can obviously, with his pace and ability on the ball, he can play wide as well. So I think there, there'll be op- openings for him at Liverpool. I'm not sure he'll start as many games maybe as he was at Arsenal. And he didn't start that many. No, he's been starting more since they've gone to the back three. But on Arsenal's back three, I say something needs to change. I don't think Wenger really wants to play with the back three. I think Wenger went to a back three last season because things were going badly and he felt he needed to change something. I wouldn't be at all surprised now that he's in a similar position and needs to change something again if he was to go back to a back four and see how things go there, But uh, which could make fewer opportunities for Chamberlain, obviously. But What happens to Arsene Wenger? I mean, after, off the back of that result, if he loses, uh, if he loses, well, he's lost Chamberlain now. I mean, what happens if he loses Alexis Sanchez now as well? It's two first-team players suddenly taken away from a side that already looked maybe not good enough. Yeah, it's going to be... I think they can cope with losing Chamberlain. I don't think they can cope with losing Sanchez. At this stage of the transfer window, they're not going to get anybody in. Certainly not anybody of that quality. Well, for um, Wenger as well, I mean, he's obviously well-connected in France, being French himself. He's managed there before. Uh, for him, obviously, he's going to know Lamar pretty well. You'd imagine he's got a lot of people watching out in that neck of the woods scouts it and he's probably going to have any number of reports on his desk about Lamar so if he's willing to put that much money up front he he must reckon he's at least considering Sanchez going well you'd think certainly he sees big money coming in somewhere if he's going to break break their British transfer record to sign him it does smack of a panic buy to me I have to say when you see money that sort 21 years old he's haven't he hasn't uh had a great many seasons of proving himself. Yeah, it would be it would be a lot of money to spend on someone. Well, that young. did did Barcelona not just spend 135 million yeah, sure. on a 20 year old? They certainly did. One season of really top level experience, yeah. but I suppose they had all he the money. Of course, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, as soon as you write uh, someone a 200 million pound check, then everyone else knows they've got that. They can ask for whatever money they want because they know that's you've got kind of, that's the part bank, of the yeah. problem, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. everyone knows how much money you've got to spend. Yeah. That's probably uh, why some of the f- fees were quite inflated when Liverpool signed a lot of the uh, Southampton yeah. players. You know, they they got all that money for Suarez, and Southampton thought, well, yeah, we'll have a bit of that. Looking at Liverpool, then uh, the the belief is now that Van Dijk actually might not be going anywhere. I mean, that that looked to be back on again the other day, but the latest is that's not maybe the case. Uh, Origi has been loaned to Wolfsburg. Um, I think that's maybe you could look at that and say the end of his Liverpool career could that. He never even got a start, really, did he? He didn't get much of a chance. He came in and scored a few goals yeah. here and there, but he didn't really get a proper run. I think it would be jumping the gun a bit to say that it's the end of his Liverpool career. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard the Klopp rates him very highly. Uh, it is a long move. I don't think there's any buy, uh, right to buy clause at the end of it. I Obviously, like he's brought in Salah. He's, brought, uh, he's got 
Firmino and Mane. He's going to be behind those players. He's brought in Solanke, so maybe he's going to be behind him as well. Possibly behind Sturridge when Danny Ings comes back to full fitness. Maybe behind. There's a lot of... And I know he's brought in Chamberlain as well. So there's a lot of competition for places in that front three. And it's not... Um, right now, that uh, front three, no one's here playing like a proper out-and-out nine. Anyone's capable of going into the middle or coming out wide. Uh, now, of course, I mean, Origi's played wide as well. But I think most people would look at him and say he's quite a traditional number nine in that sense. Is that maybe Klopsling and saying he doesn't quite fit the system I want to play with movement off the ball? I don't think so. He like He's a player who will run channels and he's got pace. I, he's not a Benteke type who obviously was never going to fit into Klopp's system. I don't think it's that he doesn't fit the mould of a Klopp type player. I just think that there's other players who are higher up in Klopp's estimations. Maybe, maybe he's looking at this season and thinking, well, let's see how storage goes. If storage keeps getting injured... That's it. So that's that's one more striker out of the way. Origi fills that slot. Maybe of course, he's uh, that da- Danny Ings is still to come back. He's been playing he's been injured a long time, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he's uh, all last season or very nearly, and he um, he's been playing with the under twenty threes lately. Okay, I guess uh, another big one got to talk about would be Renato Sanchez on on loan to, to uh, Swansea from Bayern Munich. I mean, that's that's got to be the capture of the maybe the, of the whole window for a team like Swansea to to go and get a player of that caliber. Is that maybe? The best thing, because we talked about how they, they weren't going to go and sign a player of Sigurdsson's level. If you can get one year out of Renato Sanchez and then look for a replacement come the summer when they've got more time, is that maybe more realistic? Well, if they can get a year out of Renato Sanchez and come at the end of that year, they're still a Premier League club. I think they'll have said that that was a good bit of business. Yep. Uh, obviously, Swansea have had... We said about how little they're creating against United, but again, we're saying by Stoke Swansea have four points from their first three as well. Uh, kept two clean sheets it was just that one game wasn't just the it? one yeah. game really yeah and it was against United who are obviously top of the league so I think like obviously he's going to bring creativity he'll bring a bit of steel as well to that midfield he's a good solid central midfield player obviously he didn't really get the opportunities at Bayern Bayern probably really only behind Barca and Real in terms of the European elite he did well up in Fika he uh, he did well for Portugal at the Euros. I remember seeing him for Portugal against England uh, in a Euros build-up game. And he, did, he absolutely transformed that match. He looked a really good player. I think he's got good ability on the ball. He's strong. Uh, I think he'll do well, and I'm looking forward to seeing him playing for Swansea. Uh, he's one that might be flying under the radar a bit more, but uh, Burnley have signed a player from Huddersfield called Naki Wells. He's a striker for them. Uh, I'm not sure how much, maybe five or five and a half million pounds to pay for him. But uh, he, he's sort of a very fast, out-ball type player, maybe comparable to Vardy. Uh, he's got uh, 10 goals last year. He got 10 goals last year in the league. And uh, in his last six seasons, he's only ever failed to get 10 goals or more in, in, the, in the domestic league once. So is that maybe them looking to play the front two now, be a bit more adventurous after that that's... Uh, that season under the belt now if Premier League football is well Burnley have always game. played with the front two under Sunday in both their seasons in the Premier League now with I mean, uh, with uh, Andre Gray gone is that going to be that reunited now well it could be I have to admit he's not a player that I know an awful lot about Naki Wells but I was saying obviously last week about with Gray going that maybe they lacked that mobile striker they had with Gray that they had earlier with Danny Ings obviously Chris Wood wasn't that striker so maybe that is what he's going That's for. That's the pairing of you know big man and knocks down for smaller, well, faster could, players. Could be, well, yeah. could be. We've seen it so yeah, the, the old Nile Quinn Kevin Phillips yeah. routine. Yeah. 
but that's that's one maybe it's uh, flying well, on the radar a bit more. Yeah, it is. the the thing about Naki Wells is um, could be similar to the Chris Wood thing. He hasn't played in the Premier League, so it could yeah. go either mm-hmm. way. But he's only five and a half five million, million as opposed so, to fifteen. Yeah. Sort of money that they can, you dare say it, afford to get it wrong, perhaps. So. Yeah, yeah, they'll make the money back. Yeah, if if he doesn't turn out, he'll, they'll make the money back because a Championship side will have him and he'll he'll do well. Yeah. There. I mean, there's been some some big money thrown around. If anything, it's maybe a little screen to see Huddersfield sell it to sell to a yeah. Yeah, a I thought that, that was the. Rival. Well, he hasn't actually played so much for them so far since mm. they've come up. Really, it's, no. uh, but I mean, he's. he's oh, well, I think he's. I think he's been injured. Uh yes, he both carried an injury for a while as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's why he hasn't been. Yeah. playing. But it does seem a strange one to to let him uh, yeah. go to a, a rival. Like, I mean, that that kind of shows the the intent of Huddersfield, doesn't it? The mm-hmm. the they're willing to let him leave um, because they feel they've got enough Getting strength squad, in, yeah. that, in that position. Well, they've been scoring goals so far and it's uh, can't really fault their, their logic on that one. But then, you know, a couple of months' time when it yeah. may, potentially it could dry up, maybe mm-hmm. the, the, maybe they might rue it if he's scoring goals for Burnley. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay, well, that's probably us wrapping this up now. All, all the information about transfers is completely subject to change and this is going out tomorrow, so... Probably everything we've said will be wrong and all the transfers that we've speculated will actually go the opposite way around. But uh, that's that's been up uh, us for this week and we'll be back in some shape or form next week with uh, the International Games review and looks to the, uh, looking to the games after that. So thank you and we will be kicking more balls next week. Thank you. <laughs>